0: Hi and welcome back to Good Romance. My name is Rachel and I am your host. Today we're going to be talking to Adele Buck about one of her favorite romances, If You Love Something by Jace Ellis. It's so great. I really enjoyed it. I'm so excited to talk to her and I hope you enjoy. It's another long one. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Adele. Um, Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Uh, Well, I'm Adele Buck. I am a romance novelist. I live just outside the Washington, D.C. area, not too far from you. And and I have three lovely cats. My my bio is future-proofed. It says that I live in the D.C. area with my husband of 20 years and the requisite number of neurotic cats because Mm -hmm. if I put a number on it and one of them goes Over the rainbow bridge, and I will every time I see it, I will be very sad. So
0: that's good, it's good to be careful. My husband and I will say, um, whenever we're talking about like preparing for our cats the rest of their lives, we're like, Our cats who will live forever. Like, exactly. we, that's something that we say. We're like, You know, we have we talk, we joke about arranging continuity of care for our cats because when we die and they're still young and healthy,
1: <laughs> right? Of course, they'll still be kittens, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we actually got the second cat. I like to tell this joke as a cat for the first cat, because the first one we noticed when I started working at home during the pandemic a little bit, um, like he loved all the company. He was so excited and his behavior totally changed. We were around more and we we're like, oh, he just he needs more company. And then we got him a pet pet. So he we got him a kitten to play with who we specifically found to be like very good with other cats and they're best friends and they fight and they play and they snuggle. And it's, it's very good.
1: That's so, good because we have three and our girl cat hates everybody i mean mm. she likes us um fine you know but she's she you know if, if pickle the youngest has the temerity to exist within a slapping distance she will slap him regardless of what he's doing or not doing um so you know but when, when you actually, exist we, bonk exactly <laughs> more like bah! um oh. she, actually when, years ago we had a dog we had a shetland sheepdog named Macintosh. And when he was about, I think he was about two, we brought home a little bundle, two pounds of gray fluff. And I swear to God, that dog looked at us and went, is this for me? (laughs) And those two became best buddies. I mean, they would literally chase each other around the house. You know, the old cartoons were like the dog chases the cat and then the cat goes, then they go the other way, the cat chases the dog. That actually happened in our house. Um, and the kitten would curl up in the dog's crate which was you know when it was open and sometimes we wouldn't when we crated him at night we wouldn't notice and then we, you know at, at you know we're getting ready for bed and we start to hear this frantic barking and go downstairs and see them both sitting up at the front of the crate like this is not supposed to be this way
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised the kitten couldn't like get out like all you know serpentine no,
1: the, 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 the bars were pretty narrow he wasn't by that point he was more like a you know half-grown Cat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think even a kitten kitten could get through the bars of a dog crate because I remember when my mother got a, a rescue kitten who had been bottle fed so he was tiny 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 mm-hmm. and she had a very similar crate to the one that we had and in order to re- introduce the kitten to the rest of the household she actually kept him in there with a litter box and food and a bed because it was big mm-hmm. and uh, he couldn't go through those bars and he was easy so
0: wow yeah I mean we've, we've learned to never underestimate ours because they will get into the weirdest places. And now that we have so many more places for them to go, we have to like think about which doors will be, because we used to have like three doors. Right. (laughs) And now we have so many doors. Um, My husband's never lived in a house before because he's a New Yorker and so like now he's just like oh we're never going back <laughs> we can't go back to living in an apartment this is the life <laughs>
1: right uh, and this Wait, is maybe so the nicest house i've ever lived on it, you know
0: <laughs> he's like there, i don't have to worry about like singing in the shower this is amazing
1: <laughs> yeah yeah wait wait until they have to put on a new roof or something
0: yeah oh well i mean we're we're still renters i don't think we can afford Ah. to buy in this economy or in any economy we're millennials Mm -hmm. so you know how it is but we're just so happy it's it's a i mean you'll see there's still boxes behind me but maybe Mm -hmm. there'll be an economic crash and we'll be able to afford it who knows
1: Well we were over overdue
0: so yeah i've I've been joking about the coming recession for the past like couple of years like ah the post trump recession it's a coming and now i think with all of like the world events like it's it's gonna be a fun time this week was like not just super eventful for news but like also for publishing like this was a weird publishing week
1: it was such a weird publishing week i mean what is at least three junior um uh editor resignations like all in a go. I I know there was one at Tor. I think there were a couple in in romance uh, area. And, you know, it's very clear that these, you know, mostly young women are getting grossly over, you know, underpaid and overworked and treated, you know, after several years of working really hard and approving themselves uh, as editors, they're still being treated like, you know, personal assistants and that's just, that's just wrong.
0: I think it's really telling that it's like young women who are passionate <laughs> about their work and like none of them were like, I hate publishing. I never wanted to be in this field. Like you no. know, if if you you're don't get to it if about, you don't love it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Very few people fall into publishing. Like
1: Yeah. I say that house would have to be an act of nepotism, I think. Oh that. yeah. And
0: I think I think it's really if you look at you know, I think publishing is probably pretty reflective of the industry's like globally of like how things look anyway like in terms of gender balance and in terms yeah. of racial balance like I, it's probably yeah. this is more of a reflection of like general capitalism failings but also publishing failing to keep pace with even like unionized public it just like, like i think we we're also seeing the mass exodus of you and I are both library people of librarians, yeah. like people like, mm-hmm. Oh, leaving the library, going to this private job, leaving the library, going to this thing. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. we need a spreadsheet of where everyone's going. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It's, 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 it's alarming. And, you know, publishing as with libraries is a very, you know, women heavy industry uh and with a disproportionate number of men in the top jobs
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's something i talk about all the time um about how like so many of like especially in my library system i'm in, a, in the public library system how many mm-hmm. of our directors are male especially mm-hmm. when you look at our demographics because um i'm from dc and the ratio of women of color who work in like circulation and as librarians and then you look at the administration like up and until recently i don't think we had more than one or two hired ministers who were black, which is mm-hmm. a problem in a system that needs to cater, not just to the needs of black employees, but to the needs of black patrons. Exactly, which, like yes. White people are equipped to do, but not as equipped as probably black people who've had the lived experience. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. So yeah, it's a big mess. It's, a big, it's mess. a big mess.
0: The world is a mess. Ah, but we got to have some joy. I actually, I have not read a book for this podcast that I have not loved. And oh, one of the things good. I loved about this book is that it's in
1: DC. It's set here. It, is. it yeah. is in DC, and so I have to get. So we're we're talking about if you love something, and um, my my brain keeps handing me the old sting song, which is not if you love something, but if you love someone. If you love um, someone, yeah. <laughs> but but it, I I I basically I look at this cover and I go free free set them free. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, 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 it's my brain is a nonstop earworm festival, um, but I sh- I need to give a caveat, because if you look at the acknowledgements, the first thing it says is a very special thanks to my dear friend Adele Buck. <laughs> because I was a beta reader. I was I was saying I might have been the beta reader on this book. Ooh. Um, so I read a first draft. Which Jace doesn't usually do. She she really uh she's she's very kind of like, no, I need to work it over. I'm not gonna show it to anybody else. Me, I'm like, oh, it's a piece of garbage. Can you please read it for me? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I can relate to that.
1: Um, and so you know, she 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 basically said, she said, I've been she blazes through drafts. I mean, she she writes so fast sometimes. And um she I think if I'm recalling correctly, this is about, about a year and a half ago um she basically said i know this draft has problems but i'm too close to them i can't pinpoint them can you please help me out and i was like sure i've got a book coming out in two weeks but who cares (laughs) (laughs) by then i mean by then it was kind of sewn up so you know it sounds like oh my god Uh, but you know i was i was like sure whatever it's that my book's gonna come out and it's, it's fine um and uh i remember very little of it except for my my edit notes among my edit notes Basically, I said, I think I said, I think chapter 19 can go in its entirety because it's really kind of a repeat of some of the stuff you've already done and said. And I expected her to go through the draft and whatnot. She, she, she texted me and she's like, thanks, I just deleted chapter 19 without even looking at it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, use this power only for good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with great um, writer's cred comes great responsibility yeah yeah so I mean because you know she and she and I have kind of we've worked uh, we worked for a while a little bit on a, on a, a pride and prejudice analog um, which we really want to get back to but she, her, her life blew up because she's got these publishing contracts which are like for seven books or something like that I don't know what's going on over there um, and um, so well, that sounds kind of,
0: exhausting but good
1: for her yeah yeah and, and she dictates she's got bad um, bad wrists so she she dictates all of her books um, and I. Uh, so uh, one of the interesting things is that we were trading chapters i was writing we were writing a a female male book and i was writing a male point of view and she was writing a female point of view and um our writing styles are very very different um you know i tend to be much more spare and lean she at one point she was reading acting up and she sent me like a text of one scene of acting up literally fit on her phone screen (laughs) because 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 I tend to just be super spare and and uh, and and concise and she she she's more expansive I love I love her style I love I love her Mm. uh, her prose is beautiful and so it was interesting to see like because it was a change in point of view, the differences worked actually. Um, but it it was it was I was kind of like this is going to be an interesting experiment. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: really fun because I I love when you can tell kind of the the shift in point of view when there's a different writer. Like if you've ever read um, Will Grayson, Will Grayson, that's very different. Mm-mm. It's a yeah, it's a YA book, um, okay. but. It's like got a very, um, it's David Levithan and John Green, but it's got a very okay. like, it's two guys named Will Grayson and they have very different lives and they run into each other and it's like a funny thing. Um But yeah, um. but it's a, it's I'm
1: reminded like one of those. Of boyfriend. I'm reminded of, sorry, a boyfriend material where there are two, there's two married men who are married to each other. They're both named James Royce Royce. Yes.
0: I actually just <laughs> recorded a couple of weeks ago. a podcast about that. <laughs>
1: I love that. And I listened to that on audio and the narrator actually is is you know, when he's talking about when he's talking doing one of them, it's James Royce Royce said or it's James Royce Royce said. That's so okay. great.
0: Different. I love little nuances
1: Different. in that.
0: I love yes. that. I I love that book. It's I read this I think that's like the second or third one I read for this podcast. Um and I talked about that one with who did I talk about that with? I don't know, my brain is empty. Um, but okay. that one's that one's not coming out for a while. I've just, you know, trying to stack things. Oh, I talked about with Erin LaRosa. She's great. Um, cool. But that one's not coming out for months and months because her book isn't out until like July. Um, although I guess it is March, even if it is storming outside.
1: Yeah. It's
0: yeah, like it down. is. We have like 70 degree weather the other day. I was like, I only need a light sweater. And then now it's like legitimately, I was like, do I need to buy a shovel? But then it's going to be 50 degrees
1: later, so it'll melt my husband went out and shoveled anyway because we're both from new england so you know oh yeah
0: my family are 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 midwesterners and they're very sturdy Mm -hmm. folks so i learned how to shovel walks when i was very small
1: (laughs) yeah new hampshire here so
0: yeah oh yeah yeah but i mean i i really one of the things i liked about this book so much is that it is a pretty like dc accurate novel he's got a tiny apartment downtown deshawn and like there's a nicer Mm -hmm. house in the suburbs and like um i really loved both protagonists in terms of like and also you know there's a reasonable distance between dc and baltimore a lot of times people will just compress that and i'm like there's space there
1: yes as someone who used to commute to baltimore i can can attest to that it's uh you know it's a hike it's not a huge hike i mean people do commute from baltimore to dc but oftentimes what they'll do is they'll take the mark train which is a
0: oh um, yeah that's way faster it's like it's like the the tokyo bullet train but you know less pretty (laughs) less pretty less clean
1: and and less bullety (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, a little. But um, yeah, I I really loved like the kind of differences between the kind of the fast paced vibe that DC had in the book, which is mm-hmm. more accurate, certainly. um, And they, they very much portrayed like the difference of living in the suburbs, uh, which is a little bit wider and a little bit quieter and more sedentary, which I think does suit who both Deshawn and Malik are later in their lives. So quickly, the premise of the book is yes. uh it's a second chance romance which i love those i love those triumph oh, over the experience it's, it's very trophy
1: yeah it is it is a second chance romance it's a marriage in trouble romance it's kind of a oops we woke up married romance honestly yeah uh so you know I basically it's a family are,
0: inheritance it's a fake yes, relationship yes. it's um <laughs> what else is it um
1: there's a bit There's, of found family in there.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. There's so m- I think the only trope that isn't there is only one bed, basically, which is, you know, like, it's just the one. Yeah, uh,
1: and no secret baby either.
0: No secret baby, although that's pretty difficult in a, in a non-Omegaverse world.
1: <laughs> I, I You know, I, I, I could see it happening. I, I mean, not necessarily yeah. between two men, but there could be a complication, you know, something happened, you know. it's It's always possible.
0: Oh yeah, never doubt the power of Secret Baby. I mean, we all learned this week that Elon Musk and Grimes have a second child.
1: <laughs> I missed that, but I tried, to, like, I tried to keep Elon Musk out of my brain space. Oh yeah,
0: everything Just I've learned but... about Elon Musk has been against my will. But I saw it on Twitter that somebody was like, people found out because Grimes gave an interview in her home, and I'm like, then it wasn't attempted to keep a secret. They were trying to reveal it as a big surprise right. now. Like, they're not yeah. stupid people but well, it no, is...
1: it, it, there's an argument for it well, anyway um yeah did they name this one an equation or something
0: <laughs> her name is like x uh, something something but they call her y okay yeah. Your these kids do not have a chance cannot
1: see this but i just practically rolled my eyeballs out of my head i
0: i kind of i don't feel bad for the kids because they'll have every material thing but grimes kind of has a She's got a very frenetic, scary energy that I'm like, I hope she's okay. Like I hope she's in therapy. I hope she's getting medication. I'm not here to I... diagnose anybody, but like if you're willing to have a baby with Elon Musk, something's definitely wrong with you. Now two. Now two. Like you you've ruined two people's lives. Congratulations. She's like, right? "Oh yeah, I'm okay with my my son being his protege, but I'm going to protect my daughter." And I'm like, that's some gender essentialism right there. Like well apparently. not only
1: that not only that but you know the first thing when, when there was that whole you know cave debacle where those kids in, in i think thailand were stuck in a cave and elon musk is like i'm gonna build a a submersible to get them out like he, and and the the expert was basically like could you not because you, what you're talking about is is dangerous and the first thing he he did was call the man a pedophile oh yeah
0: and he's, so he's thought, unbalanced.
1: <laughs> well, my thought, too, is that like when people start like throwing that kind of stuff around, that there must be some sort of projection involved.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. He accuses so, a lot of people of a lot of things. I don't. Yeah. I mean, after you have you read the piece his ex-wife wrote? I know you're trying to avoid him, but <laughs>
1: uh, I can't remember if I read that or if I read a piece that Jeff Bezos's ex-wife wrote. I don't know. Those poor those poor women regardless. I just ugh.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, there's a, there's a level of like complicity, but there's also like a level of like they marry the, the first wife I kind of I feel for. Yeah, After exactly. the first wife, believe the first woman and don't yeah. become the second woman. Right. I never blame yeah. anyone for their own abuse, but yes. I do blame I do have a little bit of blame when children become involved because they didn't ask for this.
1: No. No. Bids and and are, also are, like you said, it's, it's a situation of, you know, I, I think we all, or most of us go through a diluted period where we, you know, we, we meet somebody who has a really kind of a train wreck of a past and we think we're special Mm -hmm. and, um, and we think they're going to, they, they love us and they're going to change for us. And after my, basically my first and last one of those which was a real train wreck uh i I was talking to my mom and i said you know i I, you know if i ever hear anybody say oh but you know it's it that's what those you know because it's it's one of those things where like it's so funny how all the women in their lives previously were all quote quote unquote crazy. It's like, hmm, what's the common denominator here? So I said as I said to my mom, I said, if you know, if you if you ever catch me thinking this way ever, ever again in my lifetime, I want you to whisper in my ear, get out
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one of my things where like if a woman's been married a bunch of times, I don't think that much of it. Because like, you know, life is hard out there. Maybe she's got her reasons. If a man's been married a whole bunch of times, I'm skeptical. Because yeah. like I think okay what's going on here what are the circumstances of this i don't believe in like divorce shaming because i think like no. life is long and like it used to be that you know marriage was for life and that was not ideal for anybody but like i do think about like the social conditions of things like especially when like a 50 year old man is habitually marrying 22 year old girls every couple of years it's um, uh, yeah. it's interesting yeah. is all isn't it Especially, yeah. like, I know there's a certain subset of the romance community that's super into, like, you know, the daddy thing with, like, 50-year-old guys starting to go at it with 18-year-olds. And this is, like, a hill that I will die on that I think it's gross. I mean, people are allowed to like what they like. It's not for me.
1: Not for me either. I, and I will tell you, so. and for anybody who's also going, ugh, gross, uh, the um, the villain of my novella, The Wedding Bait, is a 60-something ma- man who's on Wife number 6. Oh, I remember reading the blurb for that. It's on my list. (laughs) Who is only five years older than his daughter. (laughs) That's so awful. I wanted to make this man the biggest walking collection of red flags you've ever seen in your life. And people hate (laughs) him. Hate him. So I'm like, love that. accomplished.
0: (laughs) I love that. There are a lot of ways that you can, like, utilize, like, because I feel like there is, like, a form of villain that is lazy but there is like also a very true to life villain that like comes across well even if it is kind of a collection of tropes like i've definitely in my day come across villains that are like you know kind of like smarmy assholes but like you can very much recognize like problematic behaviors that like oh this is like this is not just like a kind of a mean guy this is a legitimately dangerous person and like unfortunately most of us can draw from real life on that <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and actually, just you know, not not, not to get away from Jason's book, but, but just very quickly, the person I had in mind the entire time when I was writing him was Anthony Stewart Head playing Rupert in Ted Lasso. Oh, I haven't seen Ted Lasso, although I love Anthony Stewart Head. Yes, so I, I he's he he plays such a charmingly smarmy villain, just like you just he, he villains so you know, well. Have you seen a Merlin? I, I I saw some of it back in the day. Yeah. Um, i don't necessarily recommend watching all
0: of it but he does so well as like the very like lawful evil king in that
1: he also was on warehouse six or sorry warehouse 13. um and he played a a villain in that as well so um he's so
0: versatile i love him so much because of course my first love for him is buffy and he like is so good in that as like kind of a little bit adversarial father figure who also yeah. just gets to be like very sexy and funny and charming mm-hmm. um yeah and like you know glasses polishing a guy and then now later in his career he's kind of getting to like have some more range from that which i love for him
1: yes i, I love it too because he just seems to have so much fun sort of sort of with that oily smile chewing the scenery kind of villainy that it's just he looks like he's having a ball
0: <laughs> oh yeah it's amazing how he can be so subtle and then so ostentatious yeah <laughs>
1: Well, the man did. The man did play Frankenfurter in, uh, in Rocky Horror in his youth.
0: Oh my goodness, that's amazing! Yes, yeah, yes. I can see it. So, I don't know uh, how. I feel like he's more commonly known like abroad in like Britain, but like here, he's not as well known. Like he's not like a Patrick Stewart. I hope that right. by the time he gets to that age, he is. I hope that we, we that he's a household name. Maybe we'll have like a Buffy resurgence or something, and then that will happen.
1: Who knows? I mean, I think you know people certainly do love him in Ted Lasso, um, even though he's so awful. Um,
0: well when you awful. play really awful people can really like that yeah, yeah. i think um the most like the, the most hateable character in this book to kind of i mean we do feel like segways and no 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 this podcast is all segways like we just talk like the fun part is the segways the book is the framing device and then we talk around it but um I, I
1: used to live in minneapolis and my friends my friend group there used to say segways are for children because <laughs> we just dive from topic to topic to topic <laughs> it's like,
0: Oh yeah, that's the fun part. Like I, I find that like the more organic conversation and like I have a couple questions set aside, but like the fun part is talking about the book and getting to know each other a little bit and talking about things that we love. But yeah, um I love I love the uncle. I think it's Uncle Robert, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, he's kind of like the he's a villain, but he's not really like he's he's a human person. Like he's he's very much, you know, he's in the, the throes of a gambling addiction and he has been for right. a long time and that's kind of soured his familial relationships. Um and he really can't Empathize with anybody, and he's not like a super sympathetic character, no matter what. But like, the only thing that I have a couple little nitpicks about the book, which is, what happened to Deshawn's dad? Where is Deshawn's <laughs> dad at? What happened to his father? I assume that his mom was just like young and unwed, which is fine. But like, I feel like he never really had family issues. I think because he had such like a wonderful, loving home life with his grandmother. Um, I would have liked to know a little bit more about his relationship with his uncle before things got really bad because I'm sure that they were close-ish when he was young or if they weren't close, like why? Because he didn't have like, you know, the standard nuclear family. So like, in a family that's as like loving as his grandmother was, he probably didn't need anybody else, but it would have been interesting to know about that. I really liked the way Malik's family was was built because his brother is kind of just kind of an ass, but like, Mm In a way that, like, you're very familiar with, like, he's just kind of got to stick up his butt. Like, he's just kind of a yeah. stuck-up butthole man.
1: <laughs> he he thinks he knows how everything is. He's a typical kind of, you know, he's a, basically a typ- he's a mansplainer. You know, oh, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't really know how restaurants work, and yet he's he's going to tell everybody how things should be done. Um, and uh, so yeah, it's yeah. that's, that's that's very it's a, again it's a very typical, very re- recognizable person yeah Um, he's
0: kind of like a mediocre man who thinks he's the shit um mm -hmm. and i really appreciate how like they show that that's like jace just shows that that's like crazy insecurity because he knows that his brother knows more than him he knows that his brother is more capable of doing his job but he's just he he, like can't help but push back because he doesn't have the tools to like deal with this and i do love that at the end he was like kind of making nice to grandma and like trying to be present because like even though he's kind of annoying and not like a great brother he's at least like he's trying to be present which I can appreciate yeah. which is not yeah. something that's the case for Uncle Robert but right you know like I think that there are definitely like I have a thing about adversarial family relationships in books because I'm like if it gets too bad I can't handle it I am from an abusive background it is not good but like I can very much tell that this in this book it's not like coming from that kind of place. It's just coming from a place of like, you know, brotherly disagreement and like just fundamental differently different ideas, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and also, I mean, I think the the thing that kind of underlies a lot of that insecurity is the fact that Malik basically up and disappeared for a few years because he didn't, he thought his family couldn't handle his sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, you know, that kind of estrangement, especially when his family didn't know why, um, has to you know leave some some sort of insecurity gaps uh, in their psyches as well. like is he you know is that, is that gonna happen again um, for yet another reason that he won't you know feel that we can deal with.
0: Yeah, or like so. and like also the I think the trauma of like you know losing that relationship with your brother and then like is he gonna leave me again? am I going to, like, be alone in this? Like, especially, like, I think isn't, um isn't, like, the oldest?
1: Yes, I believe so. Yeah,
0: yeah. so, like, I think the sister kind of handles that by, like, a little more kid glovesy. Like, she doesn't try to push things too much. But I think, I think James is the brother, right? Yeah. He, like, mm-hmm. he tries to be a little more adversarial with it because he's, like, if I'm not going to, like, let you in and push you away. Like, like he's, he's, like, very, like... I guess the the word is he's on the defensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know there's that there's that kind of sense with some men where they kind of you know there's there's a, a vacuum in the family and they, they they you know either consciously or subconsciously they decide that they need to step up and be the head of the household. Mm-hmm. And you know with Malik calling the financial shots um, th- that's also a challenge to his, you know, pride and his sense of his position within the family. Um, at least that's how I took it, because you know, finances are just they're they're pivotal. They're pivotal, pivotal in families. They're pivotal in in rest- in, um, in businesses. And they, now you have both um, with these with these guys. So so that that's, I think that's another point of stress and, and pressure for him
0: um oh yeah i agree i think also it doesn't help that like he doesn't have i think like a a really concrete role in the restaurant in the way that his sister does like i don't think his sister's worried about her position because she knows that like she's indispensable if anything she's the most important part of the operation because she cooks uh Mm -hmm. without her there is no there is no operation at all there is no restaurant
1: secondary characters I, i have a problem with my own secondary characters i mean i i have i have this horrible habit of like taking or, or like tertiary characters is like changing their name halfway through the book because <laughs> you know, it started out as amanda and then it ends up being andrea They're really close but they're not the saying not quite
0: the same <laughs> yeah i i have a problem with like um when i'm reading something and a secondary character is like they're only because it's very noticeable when a secondary character has been inserted so that they can be the person that that one bounces thoughts off of so we're not just having Mm -hmm. an interior thing and it did feel as though all the secondary characters in this book were very like present for a reason they were earned like the agent character who is again kind of an asshole but like you know a a necessity like he's just a guy that deshawn needs in his life to get his like career rolling um and to like keep things above board um but like I think that all the secondary characters in this book are necessary and warranted. I think mm. one of one of the things I really liked about the the book in terms of like careery stuff to like segue into that ha <laughs> ha um is that um I loved that like things change for them. Like uh-huh. you know, Dishon has this idea about what he wants and then that's different later in life and he's like I guess this is how things are now like he he doesn't want like as much flash like he wants to be able to like have his dream and not like have the um, I guess like the what's considered the chef success like he is like he's very kind of getting back to his roots in like terms Mm -hmm. of what he'd originally wanted like he wanted to do this thing where he could highlight smaller eateries and like ethnic places and Instead, they've got him like doing little puff pieces and he doesn't like, and he's like, I love that Malik is just like, we're both introverts and everyone mm-hmm. thinks Sean is an extrovert, but he's just like me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny is I, I, I can still relate to that because at one point I said something about being an introvert myself and one of my critique partners at the time was like, ha, ha, ha. and I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, I'm not an extrovert. I'm a performer. I don't like people. <laughs> I like applause. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind of like, "Ooh." <laughs> um, the other, the other thing, speaking of, of secondary and tertiary characters, is we do see some cameos from some of Jace's other books. Just so people who have read, like Andre, uh, the, Colin, the the paralegal or legal assistant uh, in the law office, is is a, a one of the one of the couples is 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 Andre's other half. I'm oh. Pretty sure. So. Cool. Um, So yeah, I'll have to read some of her backlist. Yeah, so so Jace definitely writes in a in a singular world, um, which is a lot of fun because as you know, most most romance readers like to sort of see people from other books just sort of pop up, like, oh, hey, I know you. (laughs) And you know, regardless, even if you don't know it, you know, it's 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 still a great book, but it just gives it a little extra flavor for anybody who's read the backlist.
0: Oh, I also loved Larry. I loved him so much. He had such, like, Mm -hmm. protective big brother energy. I love that, like, Deshawn is so loved, despite, like, not really being, he's not, like, taking care of himself emotionally, but there's so many people in his life who want to, like, protect him and take care of him, which I love. Mm -hmm. I love that
1: for him. Yes. Yes. And and I think one of the other, um, one of the other big themes in this book is and this is going to sound trite, but People change. Oh yeah. And, and when you, you know, and and I, I've seen this. You know, I'm, I'm older than you are. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in your life um, too. But I've seen it happen like multiple times with the same people, even where I, hello, Kitty. Um, <laughs> where you're <laughs> just passing you know, through. I may have been one way as a teenager when this person first met me, and then we don't see each other for a while, or we see each other only rarely over the course of years. And I, you know, you see them again, and they they're they're bouncing off of me as if I'm still 16. And it's like I haven't been like that in a long time. And you kind of need to get to know me again um, because there were there's always going to be things that are the same, you know, the sort of core of the person, but there's going to be things that change too. So like hi, hi, kitty. So for <laughs> instance, you know, uh, Malik is so sure that. You know, Deshaun hates the suburbs, and will never, you know, would never like his house. Uh, but he's changed. You know, mm-hmm. he's not he's not Mister Flashy Downtown anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I th- I just think I think it's you know it's a it's lovely to see that learning happen. Um, and yeah, it, it's I think- and it's very realistic to see it kind of bounce back and forth because you still t- do kind of revert even when you've learned oh, this person is different in this way, your brain tends to revert back to the way, hi, Kitty, the way uh, they were when you first knew them.
0: Yeah, we've got a guest on the mic, Pippin. He is purring in A minor.
1: Pippin is definitely providing the purrs right into the mic. Yeah, he's
0: (laughs) he's very good at this. We should record you and sell your purrs. But, um, yeah, start paying your rent around here, buddy. But... um, (laughs) You know, what I, I love about this, what I love about this is that I know that, like, for a lot of people, romance is very escapist. And for me, it is, too. But one thing that I love in romance is when the love isn't in question, it's it's the circumstances. Like, right. when, when it isn't about whether or not people love each other, but it's about, like, whether their relationship can work because of the <laughs> world existing. And, like, and this is one of those where, like, each of them do still have feelings for the other, although they're, they're convinced that the other person just isn't going to fit in their life, just isn't going to be able to or want to give but up the things they have to give up or make the compromises in order to make it work um cause love isn't always enough and like that no. is unfortunate and like a lot of the time it is very love conquers all like if you've read um I don't know if you're a fan of um um oh shoot don't sit on the mouse baby don't that's not good okay oh the <laughs> Lost Lord series um by oh, so there's um I forget who writes them but I'm a huge fan um and she um I don't know I think she may no longer be with us but um they're like it always works out in the end like oh you're secretly the heir to a title so we are on the same level or oh you're secretly the daughter of a duke so we can get married like and like I'm fine with that but it kind of does like take away in some ways from the conflict like it's like oh deus ex machina you have money now so we can get married or like there's a secret vein of like copper on our land so we're all set like I don't Mm -hmm. mind like when that's properly foreshadowed and when there's like the like, you know, capacity for that to happen where it's like, oh, well, it can work out. But for me, it's a lot more fun in some ways when they already love each other or there's already like the capacity for love there and Mm -hmm. they have to decide what are we going to do to make this work? Because that is like if you're looking for realism, that's it. Like that's real life. Like you have to make compromises in relationships. You should never compromise on like things that are Part of your personhood but like compromises are like where you're gonna live in terms of like you know what people prioritize or like
1: yeah i mean i think the i think the first type that you're talking about with the deus ex machina oh 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 goody he's you know he's not a pauper he's a prince kind of thing i think you know those are fairy tales and and fairy tales are great um if, if that's you know if that's what you're in the mood for and sometimes what you just really want is a super cracking fairy tale that is because that's what your brain wants that day and then there's other times where you want to see these sort of the realer struggle um and you know the one of the favorite one of my favorite things what to see in in romance is the holy crap how are they ever going to get this figured out um mm-hmm. you know like i and i i can remember the first time i was like literally could not envision how the author was going to pull this one out of a hat. And that was Sherry Thomas. Um, And I can never remember titles, but it was her first, it was her debut. And I remember, so a a former critique partner of mine, I I gave her a a lightning read that, um, you know, over over a single day. And so she bought me several of her favorites um, as a thank you. And that was one of them. And I got to the acknowledgements in the end and I was like wait this was her debut because the writing is just I mean it's Sherry Thomas it's just so gorgeous and then and that book was always it was just like okay you start reading it and it's basically it starts and they're already estranged and you're like okay first of all what happened <laughs> <laughs> you know because she takes her sweet time and telling you what you know why these these two who are clearly you know like sparks flying both in anger and 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 in, in, in sort of lust like these two have been married and estranged for how many years and why and and how are they ever going to get back together oh yeah um, and, and i i absolutely love that um but with that you know that takes that takes some serious skill
0: um oh to, yeah to there's a lot of talent like that, and like then resolve
1: it And then resolve it, yeah. I
0: think that's why marriage and trouble romances are so hard. Because you have to Mm -hmm. think of a competent reason why two people who are of, one assumes, reasonable levels of intelligence, got married or were in love. And then why are they... Because that's like the main reasons that people in real life get divorced or get separated are like money, religion, kids. like, Like very, like things that are like difficult to resolve aside from, oh, well, we won the lottery. Or, oh, well, I've decided that I do want children. Or, oh, like there's... There's like, it's not super romantic to be like, let's figure out how to remortgage our house. Like,
1: yeah, I think the ones that usually work the best are the ones where, um, as the, as in this book, they got married mm-hmm. young. And, um, and when you get married, when you, you know, my husband and I, um, we did not marry young, but we almost did. Um, so we were dating when we were in our mid-20s and then we broke up for five or six years. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, you're a second and chance. <laughs> we are a second chance, and every time, every, occasionally, it's like it'll roll through on Twitter or something. Something that was pe- people will say. I just don't believe in second chances because people split up for reasons, and you know, I'm just like, this is my life. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, so
0: like people split up for reasons doesn't like understand like how because like for example, I have a cousin who um, she got, she's been married a couple times and she and her husband, one of her husbands had to get divorced, but they dated like until now, they just date now because mm-hmm. being married didn't work, but they can date each other. Like right. it's not a relationship that I would want, but they're both very happy.
1: And, 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 and Mr. B and I broke up for reasons. And the reasons were what we call age and stage. Mm-hmm. I was graduating from law school. I was about to take the bar exam. He did not know what he wanted to do with his life and i was like i have to make decisions about like where i take the bar exam and what i want to do and you know and i've got a mountain of student loan debt and this dude can't decide what he wants to have for lunch you know and 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 i can't make decisions based on that and so it was i was just i was like this just just and we kept having the same conversation over and over and over again because he was so stalled out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the time we got back together, he, you know, he was, you know, he had a shit together nine or whatever. And the, you know, the, he moved on and he'd figured out what he wanted to do with his life. And that was, and, and, you know, we've been together ever since, but, um, but so, yeah, I can see, I can see. And, and one of the things he, he said vis-a-vis like what this could have, you know, we could have had that marriage in trouble thing, um, which is one of the things he said to my mother. And you know, it's funny. It's like, people always say that, Oh, women are, are too, they're soft, they're romantic. I think that men tend to be way more romantic in some, in, in some unrealistic ways. Like I, I have a friend whose husband is like, he's, he was kind of upset for a while that she'd been married once before him um because she was supposed to wait for him because he was her soulmate. it's like dude get over <laughs> yourself <laughs> you know and so so men often do have these kind of very hyper romantic ideas they wouldn't necessarily call them that themselves but that's what i'm calling it that and um and one one of the things that mr b said to my mother and i, I kind of overheard him say this and i was it surprised me was he said yeah if, if we'd gotten married back you know in the 90s we would be divorced um And I was like, ooh, he's not wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that, like, and you'll see all these stories about, like, childhood sweethearts meeting up on Facebook after being divorced, like, from other people and getting together. Like, I I really think that people... Like look down a lot of tropes It's like oh well that could never happen and I'm like how many friggin' royals exist in fiction that like they're like how many princes of Wales can there possibly be realism is not necessarily what you're looking for in the genre but if you are second chances and like like marriage and trouble are pretty common like a lot of people um stay in unhappy marriages I think we should also generally speaking have more divorced heroines because women get divorced at the same rate as men, because most people who get divor- most people who get married are heterosexual. Most people who get divorced are heterosexual. It's just statistics. So, like, mm-hmm. there's all these divorced men with children, or, or or widowed men with children in in romance, and there's no and like the women, of course, have to be not completely spotless. Like, she can have had sex, but she can't be married. She can't have been married. She can't have ever belonged to anybody else. If we're gonna use like the patriarchal terminology, I think we need more like because I think it's very common, especially in like very rural Christian communities for Mm -hmm. especially like the whiter part of the country uh for people to marry young and have a bunch of kids and then get divorced like there are no people in my family who have done that and Mm -hmm. like we're not what i would consider like standard american folks so oh hi pippen but you know like i think like making room for that in romance is like because you know there's very few like single moms like like rebas there are not a lot of rebas in our in our In our romance, and I'm not talking necessarily about like, you know, Spitfire 40 year old woman, but even just like a 30 year old mom who like realizes her husband is never going to get his head out of his ass. And like, love is not enough and like has to figure her life out. And she meets a guy who's also figuring his life out. Like, I think one of the great things about this book specifically is that, like, they have, like you said, the it's age and stage for them. They got married too young mm-hmm. yep. and they didn't have like, the, like Malik was had not come to terms with himself. He mm-hmm. had not become comfortable enough to come out to his family. And I don't think necessarily that everybody has to come out. I'm not out to, like, all of my family, which is it's not a deal. They don't know anything about my life, really. Like, for the most part, my, my life is my personal life, and they don't know much about it. But, and also, I'm married to a man, so, like, doesn't really matter to them, even if, like, you know, they're not super woke about this kind of stuff. But, <laughs> you know, like, if I tried to explain bisexuality, I'm pretty sure they would all roll over and die. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're they're fine i I do pretty okay, but, um, We don't need a
1: mass extinction event in your family. <laughs> no,
0: I think we're, we're good. We don't need like the thing in like King Ralph where like everybody dies immediately and you gotta find the next heir. <laughs> like, yeah. But what, um, what I think is so great about this book is like, I love the supportive grandmother character. I think like,
1: cause mm-hmm. a lot of the
0: times with like kind of marriage of convenience or like fake relationships, it's because of like a family pressure. And in this Uh case it wasn't she's not really like overreaching she's just really trying to take care of people she cares about and she she's like being pretty standard matriarch level stuff like i don't i think a lot of the times it's fairly abusive when people are like you have to marry this person or you have to deal with this situation um especially in like regency or historicals but in this situation she's just like kiss (laughs) (laughs) And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with this older woman who really loves these two young men in her life, um, who she's one of whom she's kind of adopted um, as her grandson and one of whom is obviously she raised. I think it's really like wholesome and sweet.
1: Well, and that's another through line with Jace's work is she tends to write these just crackerjack elderly ladies that are, you know, take zero crap and love, you know, love fiercely and tell it like it is. And that's very good. for That's very good for me. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, the, another person who, who does it, um, she's, hers, hers, are, hers are less take no crap and more um, definitely tell it like it is, is Jackie Lau, right? Some incredibly yes. great yes. grandmas who are absolutely without a filter in the world uh, and therefore are exceedingly funny. Um, and I, and I love, I love that for both of these authors, because I do think that sometimes, like, as you said, with, with 30 year old divorces. and by the way, I can think off the top of my head of at least one book, uh, and that would be, uh, Serena Bowen. And I think, I think she, she, think she co-wrote it with Tanya Eby, um, as boy toy. Um, the, um, the heroine of that is a, is a divorced mom of twin girls who are a handful. Um, and so, uh what was I gonna say I don't remember oh so the older characters um you know romance does do older characters but I think oftentimes especially in cishet white romance um we get the kind of the 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 very sort of anodyne um you know folksy wisdom light on personality Mm -hmm. older people I've met very few of those (laughs) Yeah, they're not—they're not a dime a dozen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, in my upcoming release, I have it, she was she's she's passed on in, in in the book, but you know, she's very much a presence in the heroine's life, and it was her her grandmother, who was a very um, spine of steel type, you know, and love loving, but very just like, this is the way things are, um, you know, and sort of laying down the law type. Um, so i I'd, I'd love to see more diverse personality in, in romance in general. Um, you know, things, people, people actually reflecting elderly characters as they can be, you know, and not as just sort of like fuzzy, warm feeling grandma stand in, you know, things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that there's usually, there's like the dynamic, there's the, um, there's like the either the sweet fuzzy grandma who makes you socks or there's the like angry society stickler who's like turning up her nose like those are the two you get and it's never really like a nuanced person and what I liked about the grandmother here is that she is making choices based on her life experience and she's being mm-hmm. very like she's not just like a very smart old lady who's doing her thing like she's also making emotion based choices because of like they might not necessarily be like the easiest thing but it's the right thing. And yeah. I think that like we can tell like she's not just a a cliched mother figure she is a very like wholesome sweet person who has ha, lived a life you know
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and i I like yeah. that about her a lot
1: yeah you, there's there's a there's a lot she's she's a very textured character and uh and yeah i i I always love Jace's grannies they're just they're great oh yeah, and
0: I think that like a lot of the time for older characters like there's not a lot of self-determinism like there's mm-hmm. Like they're deciding things about other people's lives, but they're not really making choices for their life. And she has made a decision at the beginning of the book, which is if anybody wants to read this book, there is trigger warning. There is, I loved there was a um, a content warning at the beginning of this book. I wish we saw that more because I am a Mm -hmm. huge fan of content warnings um, about um, like uh, cancer and a character choosing to not receive treatment and then later Mm -hmm. dying of cancer. So she is sick for the second time and she's on the older side and she knows that like, she is probably not gonna have like a fun good time with this sickness and so she decides i'm just not gonna get treatment and i think that like it's very a realistic choice and an understandable Mm -hmm. choice and also like something that i think people can generally relate to as like having a family member who has been ill almost everybody has someone in their life who's been ill at one point and like you know it's a it's a universal experience um Mm -hmm. but i think she really comes across as like a person making the right decision for her and understanding that it's going to affect other people but knowing that she has to like do that and I think not making herself like a sacrificial lamb like i will fight this for my grandson like i liked that a lot about her also just the idea a lot of the times when cancer is portrayed in books it's very like you know like coughing into a handkerchief with blood kind of situation and i i appreciate that it's just like people get sick and they die and that is
1: life yeah and and it is more of a more of a wasting disease than I, I think a lot of people understand in um, and, and many cases. Of course, you know, it, it definitely varies in terms of how it presents and, you know, the course it takes and what it does to people. But yeah, it's it's that's definitely a thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And I, I also love the fact that you, you mentioned other types of sort of matriarchs who sort of make these demands and decisions for other people. And she has a desired outcome but she also understands that it's out of her control and she doesn't try to change that.
0: She's very aware of her place in the world and what she wants from life. And she knows the world is not like a perfect place where everything's puppies and rainbows.
1: Exactly. I mean, she wants, she, you know, she wants her boys to get back together because she knows that they still love each other. And she thinks that that'd be the best thing for them. And, 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 but you know, that's, if it doesn't happen, that's, that's just life. And and she mm-hmm. understands that. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a very realistic, you know, portrayal of a very sympathetic woman.
0: Well, I think she's also like super insightful as a character. Like she's the one who has like a lot of the conversations with the characters being like, you bought this house for the family mm-hmm. you want to have with him and things like right. that. I did think that at times the visits got a little repetitive in the book, but like that's gonna happen because like Mm -hmm. you can't really change her situation. She has to be at home in her bed Um, Mm -hmm. and I just loved like I think it's so typical when you have like an inciting character who is creating a conflict that they just her internal life is just great. I think that she's just one of the best written characters in the book. Um mm-hmm. because she just has such she's so well motivated and so understandable, she's like trying to leave not just a legacy for her grandson but she wants him to have his family however that turns out and like even if it doesn't work out with Malik, she wants him to like have a you know a future with somebody
1: and and a and a place to retreat to because he is so mm-hmm. much in the public eye he, he is so uh he's he's just sort of followed by the spotlight constantly and I remember one of the first things when i when i read the first draft of this this book um one of the things one of the notes i gave was you know in the first draft basically everybody was rooting for them you know except robert mm-hmm. um and and i was like you know i know that you're doing this because this, 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 you're writing the world you want to see um but there's going to be people who are jealous and there's going to be people who are you know shitty um and that's suspicious like yeah and so and that's because the the journalists being suspicious i'm pretty sure like i said it was a while ago i'm pretty sure that was not in the first draft and and i think that was one of the adjustments that she made to have them kind of be like "Ah, this this smells wrong to me and to try to 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 ferret it out and um it's a very journalist thing to do (laughs) oh yeah Um, especially when something is you know is very you know, as far as they're concerned, low stakes. I mean, they don't seem to be able to do that when it's, you know, a sitting Republican president, Um, (laughs) but, uh, they're, they're, they're definitely will, will, will do that in, in, uh, circumstances where. Let's police this
0: queer relationship. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I did appreciate that. Like the, um, like, the priorities of each character, like, comes into, like, certain alignment at different times, like, through the prism of experience. Like, we definitely Mm -hmm. see at the beginning, Deshaun is so tired. Like, Deshaun Mm -hmm. is just very tired of the life that he set up for himself. And so all of the choices that he makes in the book follow that experience of exhaustion, because Mm -hmm. that's the life he thought he wanted, or at least the life that he thought he could get. Like, he thought he could get this and then get what he wanted, but it's just, it's wearing on him.
1: Well, and working in restaurants is, is exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've done it and oh boy, boy, howdy, I would never want to make a career out of that. Um, you know, it was, it, that was all again, very realistic, you know, that constantly being on your feet and you know, your back hurts and you're, you know, it's, you're, you're exhausted at the end of the night. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who are, who are chefs, they, they don't, the last thing they want to do is go home and, you know, cook for themselves or their families or, whatever. Um, and so the fact that Malik keeps cooking for Deshaun, um, is another lovely touch because, you know, he's, and and the fact that he's insecure about it at first too, is very, was very, um, real to me because, you know, here's this guy who's like got a Michelin star and he's, he's, you know, the world loves him and he's on television and, and, you know, people love his food. And, and the fact that, that, he overcomes his reticence about cooking for Deshaun enough to actually do it and do it multiple times. Um, mm-hmm. is, is put himself out of, there, make himself yeah, vulnerable. It's a lovely bit of character development, I think. So
0: Oh, I totally agree. I think I also like that they both kind of came away with different reasons for why the breakup had to happen, even though they have the same information, because it really it shows us what they're insecure about. Like, uh-huh. Deshaun doesn't feel like he's enough for Malik and Malik doesn't feel like he's enough for Deshaun. and they both kind of feel as though they have this, like, inequality between them, even though fundamentally, like, aside from, like, a little bit of fame, they're both monetarily very successful, they both have pretty decent support systems, um, like, Malik is doing pretty impressive things career-wise, even if he feels kind of, like, stifled because of his brother's, like, you uh-huh. know, uptightness, and, like, you know, they've also kind of met in the middle in terms of they're both out uh, mm-hmm. now, which is something that was like fundamentally unequal before. Um, like they're actually in a pretty equitable, pretty comfortable place. Like if you're looking at it in terms of just like having the different things that you need to have to be a successful adult, and they're both convinced the other person just has doesn't even really want a piece of them, and it's very it's very telling of like who the characters are, you know.
1: And and of you know what they. It's, it's, it's not an uncommon thing to do to have like two people who are both accomplished, who, you know, when you've, when you've done a thing, you know, you, me, anyone has, has done something, has accomplished something. Oftentimes the, the, you know, other people being impressed by it is kind of like, what, this old thing? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've done it, you know it's possible you know you kind of have this attitude like if I can do it anybody can do it um so you know I have I have friends who are you know who think that you know having gotten a law degree was impressive I'm like I did it so therefore it's not
0: (laughs) oh I'm exactly the same way like the imposter syndrome is so real like everything that I've ever received is based on luck or cheating like (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah And, and you know I mean, I have I have many friends who are PhDs, and I'm like, I couldn't do that. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> oh, this not old they, thing. Not that they downplay the accomplishment, but they're they're kind of like, Why are you finding it impressive? Basically, and I'm just like, Okay, we just we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this because you know that's that's amazing. I have I have a friend who who is she's a she's a PhD academic in philosophy, which is like that's exactly eyes bugging out of your head and she said like the most down-to-earth person ever and she and i both play this this phone game this mo- mobile game called alpha bear 2 in basic it's one of those games where you like could give you a, a board with a bunch of letters and you're supposed to get rid of all hopefully get rid of all the letters in the board by spelling words and um and what this person and i do because you know i am i am a 52 year old academic she is like a 50 year old academic we are both very serious people and so what we do with alpha bear is we try to find the rudest words we can <laughs> and then at the end of the at the end of the of the of a, of a round it will take a little graphic of your character bear and it will make a little mad lib using one or two or th- sometimes three of the words from your board and you can you can scroll through them and we'll find one you know it's like you know my favorite book is shits the bed (laughs) (laughs) and we'll and we'll text them to each other because internally we are 12 years old
0: (laughs) oh yeah 100 percent. i have definitely i've got a lot of my friends also are like on the master's track and they're all we're all just like such children together (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and but I think that that is the kind of that's the underlying that's the place of you know that that place of silliness that place of softness that place of vulnerability is is that inner twelve year old that everybody has, um, and some people mask it better than others, uh, but but these two are not masking it at all. I mean, the, you know, they're a little bit on the on the surface, like to each other, they're managing it because they also expect to see what you know they, they see what they expect to see, you know. Um, Deshaun sees this, you know, successful accountant who, you know, who can, who can manage money and, and, you know, is pretty much, you know, double-handedly with his sister keeping their, their family restaurant afloat. He's got a, you know, he's bought his own home. Um, and on the flip side, Malik sees Deshaun, who's a celebrity chef. And so, you know, both kind of freak each other out a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah, I think they're both pretty spooked by each other. And also, I think one of the main themes of the book is like vulnerability. And like mm-hmm. making yourself vulnerable to someone who you know you know they could hurt you if if they if they like so chose, but like you know like Malik has to make himself vulnerable by coming out, but which happens before the book happens. Like it happens right. in like the interstitial between their initial relationship, which we don't see that much of, and the time they're giving it a second shot and having their fake relationship then turns into something real, um, yeah. and so he has to make himself vulnerable that way and like try to and like let his family back in, mm-hmm. um, and. Like, they all kind of have to come to terms with him having kept the secret from him, them, and he mm-hmm. has to make himself vulnerable in order to like try again with Deshawn. And Deshawn, I feel like, is a bit more like I'm ready to get hurt again, uh, because he's like a very golden retrievery kind of guy. Like he's he just is. like, yeah. And I mean, he has. Re- they both reacted very differently to the breakup. Like I think Malik went back to his family, and he like focused on his like career stuff, and he bought a house. And Deshawn was just like, I'm going to go screw around, if it, like physically not, not work, yeah. and he's going to work really hard. And so he's kind of known as being kind of like a, a Lotharia, like having a lot of boyfriends bo- boyfriends going out with people, um, sleeping around. And like I think the way that they're both tackling like the emotional repercussions of seeing each other again after all this time mm-hmm. is like very related to how they both react to the breakup. Like like Malik really yeah. retreated within himself and Deshawn was like, I'm going to shove all of this out there. I'm not going to deal with
1: this pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to party it away. Um, yeah. And, and it's also, again, tellingly, it's, um, from that first draft, I, if I'm recalling correctly, I believe she was trying to shoehorn a big bleak moment into like the last third of the book. And one of my notes was, you already have your bleak moment. It happened in the past. Um, and structurally, I, I, I like that you, that, you know, not just because it was my, my note, but I, I liked that idea that, you know, you already had the bleak moment, it happened off the page. Um, because one of my big complaints about romance is when it becomes too formulaic in terms of, you know, it's like somebody's got the romancing the beat, beat sheet and they've got to make everything happen in the right order
0: <laughs> it's very hero's journey but like very like joseph very, campbell
1: very, well it's very it's very you've got to have the meat cute you've got to have the development you've got to have the bleak moment and then you've got to have the reconciliation and you know what sometimes the story works out differently and in this case the bleak me- the bleak moment happened seven years ago and you don't need to have another one
0: Oh, I I totally agree. I feel like that that the bleakness of the moment really echoes throughout the book. Also, like Mm -hmm. it's very present, despite not being on page. Because Mm -hmm. you see it in the way that they react to each other in the heartbreak they both still have over it, like they're not over each other at all, like they have not dealt with it. And that's one of the reasons that like, I think them, you know, having this difficult time coming back together in this fake way, and then eventually in the real way is so hard for both of them to deal with. It's because they just have not dealt with the consequences of this relationship dissolving before
1: no no and you know and, it, and also you know one of the things that Malik is dealing with is that he keeps like literally having to change the channel uh, because he keeps seeing Deshaun on television which I mean I at one point I had dated this guy and I remained very close with his family and you know, occasionally there would be like, you know, somebody had a photo album out and oh, there's the ex. And you kind of get that jolting feeling like, you know, I'm trying to shut the door on this and, (laughs) you know, it keeps him coming back and, you know, and it wasn't about to to let go of the relationship I had with his family because, you know, his stepsister was one of my best friends and, you know, and his parents were very, very kind to me and and you know i liked them i you know I, I didn't feel that i needed to give them up in the divorce you know it wasn't a divorce but you know what i mean um yeah. but that's but that's really hard when you're trying to to get over someone and you can't ke- keep seeing images of them or seeing them on tv i mean like you know back when we you know like my first boyfriend in high school and like he broke up with me and then I had to see him in the hallways all the time. <laughs> you know? that's oh yeah. It's really hard. It's really, really hard.
0: Or especially when somebody who you've dated or had a really close relationship with is still friends with your friends. And then they have to like, you have to kind of figure out like a custody agreement.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, that's, that is, that's, hard. and it's gotta be just as, as we would say in New England, wicked hard. <laughs> to, to see your ex on television you know because they're walking and talking and they're smiling and they're you know they're lit really well and they look really good no no go
0: ahead. and like he's aged well and he's being charming yeah. and successful yeah. and even your brother admires him right. like it's got to be pretty rough i mean especially like i think a lot about like not, like, frequently, like, every day, but, like, sometimes I think about, like, the first girlfriend of the really famous guys who everyone swoons over, and I'm like, she must have the worst time on Twitter.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, whoever yeah. Henry Cavill's first girlfriend was in, like, primary school or whatever, she's just, like, this now? <laughs> really? Can down? we be done? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely a really fun one just because you don't often get to see, like, black men together. Well, usually it's interracial if there's a black man involved, which is, you know, fine. I'm fine with it. I love interracial, it's particularly like um, Talia Hibbert, mm-hmm. um, who's one of my my new favorite comfort reads. I love her so mm-hmm. much. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really nice to see, like, black love with two men having their thing, mm-hmm. like, and you know, it's really, it's really sweet. Oh.
1: And Jace loves to write that. Um, oh, how she many? Ha- she, has she written a lot?
0: I haven't, like, I only done a little research.
1: She has written a few, at least one interracial uh, romances because colin i you don't know i don't know that she makes it clear on the page in this book but he's white um but um yeah she's so she's written several um with and they're they're all set in dc uh and you know, her whole thing is representing the the, the black community in dc which is,
0: well i will yeah. have to read her backlist because it sounds yeah. right on my alley
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So tell me a little bit about what you've been reading lately. Comfort reads, go-to authors, people who are on your auto list.
1: Okay. So I have been um, rereading, first of all, on audio this time, Susanna Kearsley's The Vanished Days. Um, And Susanna is very much a go-to author for me. This one is a bit harder. Uh, It's a lot it's kind of more brutal than some of her other stuff, and it's less of a romance. I mean, she's she would just be the first person to say that she's kind of writes not not romance, romance, but kind of like fiction with romantic historical and, and modern fiction with romantic elements more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there is there is a romance in this, but it's it's very much a there um, it's 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 chock full of unreliable narrators. So it's it going reading it now the second time. There's like, I'm getting, and also, you know, listening to it, you know, I, I, I tend to read quickly and sometimes I, I don't catch every single detail and you're listening to it, you catch every single detail because you're, you're you know, I, I'm a pretty active listener. Um, but so I'm loving that, but it's still kind of like, I, there's one, I skipped over maybe 10 minutes of the narration because I was like, I can't, I can't go through this bit again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, and then, so what, and what I'm reading, uh, with my eyeballs is, I believe it's the latest Joanna Shoup, uh, Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue Rebels book, which is, um, yeah. The Heiress Gets Lucky, I think. I think,
0: think that's, that's the one, one, yeah. Yeah. It has and the that's yellow it. cover or the purple cover?
1: I got it from the library, so I don't really remember, and it's got it on Kindle, <laughs> so I'm like, and I, my Kindle's fine. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> um. But but yeah, it's 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 cute. It's 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 not a trope that I'm usually crazy about, um, but it, I think it works better in a historical context. Honestly, uh, the hero is somebody he's a bit of a he's a bit of a man about town, and the heroine is a bit of a wallflower. Her mother's terrible, and is really like really terrible on her self esteem, and um, she somebody says that, that that this guy can make you know even the, the shyest wallflower into a vixen. And so she approaches him, and she's like, "Okay, teach me how to do that." So this is basically in a, in a contemporary, it would be, you know, teach me how to seduce, you know, how to how to how to get random dude in my bed. And she's more like, "Teach me how to be flirty and, and attractive, yeah. so I can make have a me husband.
0: vivacious." Like, yes. Yeah.
1: And, it, and it and it occurs during a Newport house party. Oh,
0: um, yeah, so I love house party uh, books. One of my favorites from the last year or so is that the Martha Waters book, the um. To to um to have into hoax or maybe it's to love into loathe. She has oh, a couple.
1: I yeah I started reading the second one and I just would not didn't wasn't working for me. Um, but teach. I like that.
0: I love house party books because there's so much opportunity for mischief. Um, mm-hmm. But I also um, I tried to read one that was similar to. I think it was like um like Lady Ava something the um. I forget who writes it, but it um it's another one. I, I really don't love the the rake teaches the wallflower situation. I, I like a marriage of convenience for a rake and a wallflower, but I just I'm not a big fan of like I would love it if it was like gender flipped, like if it was like a man looking for a woman to teach him how to be like uh, you know, like a a more like bon vivant or like um if it was like two women and one of them was like, Oh, I need you to help me get a husband. And it's like, actually, I think I'm going to get you a wife and it's going to be me. Like I would love that.
1: I, I could see Olivia weight writing the crap out of that. Um, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And, and normally, I love her.
1: normally I don't love the, you know, teach me how to be a, you know, a, a sexier human being books, but for, for whatever reason, this is really, this, this one is, is working for me. Cause it's, it's got a lot of gentle humor and, um, you can really see it's one of those it's one of those situations where the female main character is very um when she's alone she's a lot more confident and then like when she's around her mother I mean everybody in this house party hates her mother because she's so awful and and she's trapped I mean she's clearly trapped by you know by her mother who was basically forever going how are you ever going to catch a husband if you if you you know eat two pieces of cake you know? and 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 it you know and insulting her in public and humiliating her and so you could really see how she would be fairly desperate <laughs> to get out of this household and you know and would sort of grasp at anything and and it, of course you know as, as these things often are, you know, he's, he's kind of, he had a terrible situation with his family as well. His father was very similar to her mother, um, and it was, it was always sort of telling him he, he was useless and, and, and shallow and, and, you know, and unintelligent. And, um, so he has a lot of self-esteem issues, um, in, in society in general. Uh, so it's, for, for those reasons, it's actually working for me. Um, and,
0: hmm. yeah. you know, a shot. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I really I really enjoy a lot of trips that are common in Regency in terms of, like, I like the wallflower, like, who becomes more desirable and, like, in order to fulfill an end. But I think mm-hmm. it has become kind of overused in some ways because of the popularity of the wallflower series. Uh-huh. Um, people love a wallflower. And I I just, I don't buy that every girl in the marriage mart is is so homely. Like, I think that they're, <laughs> like, that I think men are imaginative.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah i i i would tend to agree and uh you know i i i kind of read it's i mean the, the two current books i'm reading are historical i do read a lot of contemporary too um
0: mm-hmm. i'm the same so- but historical is kind of like my comfy place mm-hmm. okay okay i like because it's where i started out so it's like my it's my home away from home
1: <laughs> that's pretty much where i started out too i think um but uh but I, I, do, I do love contemporary because it, for a lot of different reasons, I, I guess. I oh,
0: like, yeah. I, I think if yeah, I'm going but... for something that's a little more like there's some things that you're just not going to find in historicals. Like I'm definitely not going to find as much Jewish representation, as mm-hmm. much black re- representation, as much just like anything that makes me feel. Because I can relate to all different kinds of characters. But like if I want right. to really feel seen, it's going to be hard to find that in historicals. Although there's some really great ones coming out soon that I'm really excited about um generally speaking like
1: and I love Felicia Grossman's work and I would love to see her Oh yeah she's got she's got
0: some new stuff coming out I'm so excited about it I saw the blurb I was like yes my crack
1: um
0: (laughs) but like I, I like if I'm gonna find representation and also there's a certain amount of like stuff that I I'm just not super into like the um babies ever after norms of of historicals like I really enjoy um particularly um Courtney Milan who's kind of trying to normalize the like not every couple has to have a million babies. Like, birth right. control methods back then weren't 100%, but a lot of people didn't have kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and infertility is a thing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's, yeah. There's And I've seen, and I, I, I would tend to agree, I've seen criticisms of certain books that have the, you know, there's the miscarriage and the, the woman has told you she, that she's never going to have a, a child, and then there's a, there's a baby epilogue, and it's like... You know, you really didn't have to do
0: that. (laughs) Well, what's frustrating for me is like, I am fine with like dubious medical science. Like if maybe like she has very good reasons to think she's infertile and they do have a baby, like I'm fine with that. But what Mm -hmm. I don't like is when it's just kind of like glossed over like, and you know, we did get our happy ending after all. Like life is complete for a lot of people without kids. I think that like, we (laughs) do have this problem, like this natal normativity thing in romance where like, if you are, if you think you're infertile, it's okay, because love will fix that. Some people desperately want children and can't have them, and I feel like this is a really slap in the face to those people.
1: Like yeah.
0: A lot of people, like, I have adopted cousins, um, uh-huh. and, like, it wasn't, like, a second choice, but, like, they could not have biological children. They love their adopted kids, if not more than, like, they would have, like, loved biological children. Like, there's a lot of questions to be had about adoption, I think that, like, there's some dubious stuff about adoption in a lot of these books, like people will adopt when they think that they can't have kids and then they do have children and I'm like, well,
1: how does that work out? Um, well that's the thing that happens. And, and you know with, and the other thing about families in, in, in romance and I occasionally there's like this is a recurrent tweet. I've probably tweeted it like five times already over the course of many years. And and, and that is only not all only children want to, ha, to want to come from big families. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, have, I have a brother now. He's a stepbrother. I met him when I was in my 30s. Okay. Um, we both grew up as only children and we were both fine with that. We never wanted siblings. We lucked out. We really, really we adore each other and it's, it's a great relationship. And I, I call him my brother and he calls me his sister. And so we don't even bother with the step, but we also both very strongly identify as only children. And, you know, every time I see an only child, I don't think I've ever seen a happy only child in romance. I, it, it, you know, this, this person, you know, it's, it, it's oftentimes it's one of the protagonists, one of my favorite authors tends to do this and that really bugs me. Um, and it's like, you know, she was an only child and now uh, he comes from a big family and oh, great. If she marries him, she'll like, have the family she always wanted. It's like, you know, it doesn't always work that way.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that the idea that like everybody wants what they don't have, like, Mm-hmm. I don't have the ideal but, family situation, but I also you, didn't marry into a family to replace that.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, but the thing is, you also never see the reverse. You never see mm-hmm. somebody coming from a big family and going, "Oh, you were an only child. I'm, you know, you have this lovely small, close knit family that I want to be a part of." You know, that just does not. I, I, if I, if that happens anywhere, I will be crowing it from the rooftops if I ever see it. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there somewhere because there's. Oh you know, yeah millions of books. But, you know, if we're talking about things that are very, very common, you know, that's just one of those things where it's like a, it's like a microtrope that bugs the crap out of me because it is very far from universal. I mean, the only, I, I have known many other only children and the only, usually the only people who feel bad about the fact that they're an only child is the people who are looking in on their lives and so, saying, oh, you poor thing and, and, and the, all the only children I know are like,
0: no, I, I'm actually fine. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. I definitely wanted more siblings because I always wanted sisters, um, which I think my cousins were always just like, you do not want sisters. Trust me, you're better off. Um, but I think that like for a lot of people looking in on like it, the only child thing is kind of shorthand, right? Like oh, maybe the parents are all dead. And you're all alone in the world and isn't that dreadful? And I think I think there's just like a very specific like, people are just not comfortable with there being different kinds of families. People right. are just very, very, like, set on, like, the heteronormative, two parents, maybe a grandparent in the house at maximum, um, like, two, at least, at least two kids. And I think normalist, norm, normalize, I need mean, to normalize, normalize is the word of the day for 2019 or 2020. I forget which one.
1: We need to normalize yeah.
0: the idea that, like, families come in different shapes and sizes and, like, yeah. Like, I think one thing, I wasn't a huge fan of the, um, Tessa Bailey has a series of, like, um of like builder books that happen in, like, a, n- like a New York-adjacent area um, that I wasn't a huge fan of. But what I did love about um, the last one is that there's kind of an age gap. There's a younger man and a slightly older woman, and they have an adoptive child who is his niece. And they're like, this is enough for us. We love her. We don't want bio kids of our own. We're just happy with the kid we have, and we will raise her, and that's great, and we love her. And I love mm-hmm. that because... Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't want to be parents or don't know that they're going to be parents because of just circumstances. Like, a lot of people adopt family members. A lot of people, um, like, have a kid who isn't uh, known to them. Like, they have, a like a, a, a like, a relative or a friend who has a kid in a bad situation, and they'll take that on. And, like, right. not all of them dreamed of being parents, but sometimes people want to take responsibility for someone because they love them. And, like... Mm-hmm. Then they're like, well, I don't want to become a parent to another child because I never really wanted that. Like, I think reluctant parenthood is seen as, like, very morally dubious. Like, it's just life is life, man. Like, just because you're not overjoyed with the fact you have to take responsibility for something, but your morals compel you to do so.
1: Like, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, and I can tell you that out of certainly all the books that I have out and have forthcoming – only one couple has a child and that is in a later book mm-hmm. so um it's funny because you know I, I i used to have an agent and um we've since amicably amicably parted ways but um i was starting to write some women's fiction um before we parted ways and it was my second women's fiction manuscript i i sent it to her and i'm like Okay, I've had I've written how many romance novels and th- this women's fiction. This is the first time you're going to get a baby epilogue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, I've I've never. I'm not like a harsher on baby epilogues. I like it when it's like earned. When it's like yeah. these people are now set up. Mm-mm. But like, yeah. there's um there was a book that came out last year that I just reviled. Um, it, book Twitter had a feel day the talk bookish to me one that like, oh god, it was it's such a mess but they had a baby epilogue and it's like, and it's been a great five years. And I'm like, where does, where's that written? Like, <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, no. And, and i have nothing against baby epilogues either. I mean, I read Tessa Dare. Tessa Dare always has them practically. Um, but uh, I, I just don't think that they're necessary. And clearly, cause I've, you know, didn't, I've never written one in a romance, uh, you know? Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't, I don't mind them when like it's a situation where it's like, I really wish characters more often discussed kids like, had the real conversations, or at least were alluded to, it's like, they, even just, like, a singer, like, they had discussions about their future. And, like, mm-hmm. if in the, if it's something that they both have prioritized, like, wanting a family, like, and, but obviously, I hate the phrase wanting a family, because I have a family, and I don't have kids yet. Exactly. Um, my
1: husband is my family. It's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, my husband, my cats, like, my, mm-hmm. you know, my in-laws, my grandparents, like, I have a family. And the yeah. idea of, like, wanting a family, meaning wanting to produce smaller humans, is ridiculous. Like,
1: Yeah, the, the, the phrase, now our family is complete.
0: Oh, God. Use me? So y- you just <laughs> never want your kids to grow up and have families of their own then? Is that what you're saying? You don't want? I don't you don't know. Want your... I don't know. I don't know. I don't, because I feel like families are kind of, um... kind of a you built it as you go situation like i have friends Mm -hmm. who i consider family who have been a part of my life for like longer than i've been in the relationship that i'm in and so like i consider them family and i'm not going to be like after i have the requisite amount of children i'm not going to be like okay we're all done with our our family we can put away the kit now like i am i'm a repair person nothing's ever fully finished there's always problems there's always going to be things you need to fix there's always like I think a lot of people think of, like, having kids as, like, the end cap on their relationship. Like, you did it! Congratulations! You've succeeded! And that's, I mean, think final, about... It's I think the, the final
1: boss battle!
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the divorce rate amongst parents is probably a lot higher than amongst people who are not. Just because, like, there's a lot more complication... I have to... I haven't done the research, but... There's a lot more complications, and there's money stuff, and there's parenting stuff, and, like, a lot of people don't realize how much they disagree on stuff until they have to make healthcare decisions for their kids.
1: Mm-hmm. or um how you know drawing boundaries with grandparents
0: oh yeah i mean huge, if you've ever been stuff. on uh, if you have ever been on like the um the, like um am I the fuck asshole? no mother in law <laughs> F- am i the asshole or fuck no mother in law there I'm, i every day i'm grateful my mother in law is the sweetest person i will never say a word against her she's great um and you know like she has her quirks she's a very quirky fun person um but like, when I look at all these people, I, I just look up at the sky and I'm like, thank you for what you have given me. I will be eternally grateful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so delightful. Tell me
1: about hey, what welcome. you have coming. Tell me about what you have going on, where people can find you. Yes. Okay. So I am findable on social media, mostly at Twitter on Twitter at underscore Adele Buck, A-D-E-L-E-B-U-C-K. Uh, I do also have Instagram under the same handle. I use it a little bit less. Um, and I have four novels and a novella out. The four novels are called the Center Stage Series. If you are a former theater kid or, God forbid, a current theater kid or anything like that, <laughs> if you were in theater, I was an actress first and foremost in my life. And so uh, I wrote uh, the series, but it's mostly about people who work in, you know, actively in the theater. Uh, and they're not all actors either. Uh, there's there's mm-hmm. two stage managers and a director in the bunch. So uh, if, you, if that sounds appealing, it's available on all, all platforms. And as I mentioned earlier, I have a, a novella called The Wedding Date, which is a, kind of a spinoff of The Wedding Date, but my, which is one of my favorite rom-com movies. Um, but I had this thought of one day of like, what if it was not the sister of the bride who needs to have an escort to come to this wedding that's gonna be fraught with emotion because their ex is gonna be there. What if it was the mother of the bride? Oh, and yeah, I remember seeing that. I, I love yeah, the promise. Yes. And uh, it's just, it was a ton of fun to write. And so that's currently only available on Amazon and it's in KU Kindle Unlimited. I'm going to be taking it wide possibly by the time this airs. So it might be available on all, all retailers by then. Uh, and I have a new uh, novel coming out. It's much longer than the uh, center stage series. Center stage series are basically category length. Uh, and this, uh, it's called the For You series. And the first one is called Angling for You. And the uh, heroine is a fly fishing guide. And the hero is an academic librarian. <laughs> <laughs> Whose father has just passed on and has left him his best uh, bamboo rod, and it gets him wanting to try fishing again. And he hires her to teach him. That's
0: so great! I love a little um, recreational activities, like because people, it's it's you know people sometimes have their hobbies define them as a person, and I I like to see a little like something you don't see often. I don't think I've ever read a fly fishing romance.
1: Yeah, well, my husband is an avid angler, and uh, actually, he. He read this book, he's actually currently doing the final sort of like polish reread just in case I introduced any more errors because I've been fly fishing I'm just not an avid person and actually the hero Graham is um, he's somebody who is his father was a very forceful personality and he loved uh, fly fishing and he like all three, all three of his sons were going to be fly fishermen Damn it. And basically, as soon as Graham goes away to college, he stops fishing because he didn't want to be pushed into it all the time. And so it's, you know, the death of his father causes him, you know, like 15 years later, just, you know, maybe pick it up again. Um, So there's that kind of familial pressure involved in the book as well. But the the fact of the matter is is that, you know, I I, I like to say, you know, this is this is a more unconventional sports romance because (laughs) it's it's not just a hobby. It is a sport. Um, and um and i was so anyway my husband after i wrote the first draft he he and i went on a holiday to, to norway and he read that damn thing with red pen in his hand sitting next to me on an airplane
0: oh no <laughs> that's my worst nightmare <laughs> you
1: know having been a former actress i'm pretty i've got a pretty thick skin i mean auditioning will do that to you um so but it was still kind of nerve-wracking to see you know, like the, the the pen get uncapped and like scribbling in the margins. and So Mm -hmm. um, hopefully it's it's exceedingly authentic because he made a lot of notes and I made a lot of revisions based on that. And I just hope I haven't reintroduced too many errors in in the the, the revisions.
0: Well, it's good to have someone who's an authority on the subject to look at it because whenever I read like librarian romances, I read one um, by Meg Cabot a couple of years ago, no words. And it was, so i don't know if, i don't know if she has any experience but like her heroine kept books in the bathroom <laughs> and i'm just like tell me you've never understood how water damage works or even steam without telling me like right. i definitely had a book in the bathroom but i don't keep books in there because i no. know how things work and also like you know she's like it she's like very conky dory about it being her dream job and i'm like it is a dream job for a lot of people but nobody loves getting harassed all day
1: no and and i read i read one i'm not going to i'm not going to name the title um but a while back and, and and more than one of my librarian friends pointed this out that the um the hero is a librarian and one of the things he does is he looks up her her borrow history it's like no 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 you do not do that you don't And also not we don't do keep that. it yeah um, it, you know, it's, some institutions do, but, um, that's not, that's not something you should do as a professional librarian. And
0: yeah, just... that's not ethical. Yikes. I mean, no, also my, not... um, my husband is in the medical field. And so whenever I read like anyone doing emergency medicine, which is what he does, I'll be like, mm-hmm. that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Because I just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a real like, um, squeamish person, but whenever I, I kind of absorb the information. So like whenever I read something, I'm just like. No, get like I mean, because if you can't always write about your field because then, you know, yeah. we end up with a bunch of writers romance, right. which is a bit of a cliche at this point. But a bunch of librarians, got to do your research, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I if I if I don't know somebody who's in the field, I kind of don't go there. Um, well, I
0: think if it were me, I would be doing like a lot of research. But also there's some things that are pretty intuitive, like if you just need a job it's not difficult to be like a cashier just have them be a cashier
1: mm-hmm. i mean it is yeah. hard
0: standing up all day but like you know what the job is
1: and when, when i say I, if i don't know someone i mean that I, like to tap them to, to to do the research because like you know i was at one point i it never the book never came together but i wanted to write uh, a book where the characters were in television and radio news mm-hmm. and um I have a friend who is an investigative reporter for um, WSA 9 and so sure. you know I you know was able to to to, to tap him uh, for various questions like you know what's the structure of a newsroom and you know how does these things you know all this stuff that you don't even really think about until you start to dive in and like start to have scenes where they're at work and you're like crap I have no idea what a reporter's boss, is, is it the producer? Is it, I don't, who do they report to? I don't know. was <laughs> and, and so like structural say,
0: stuff. Yeah.
1: I like literally sat next to Nathan on the train and like fixed his brain for half an hour <laughs> as, as a first pass, just before I, you know, got really stuck in, you know, I'd already started mm-hmm. writing and now. So it's, you know, like I said, you don't see the pitfalls until you're actually you know drafting. And so I already knew what some of the things I wanted to know. So I was able to be pretty, pretty, you know, fine fine-tuned in on what I wanted to know but yeah I mean it's it's it's
0: not easy <laughs> oh yeah it's I mean writing is rewriting you know And <laughs> they yeah, say absolutely and like it's not like easy to write experiences you haven't had and a lot of the time if you write a lot as most people in romance do you got to you know breadth of the careers you know
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: yes indeed I, for me it's also I know I, I gotta let you go my my other pet peeve is the um is the people who do the like the like one of the reasons I can't I find it very difficult to read the uh, renovation romances is because yeah. I used to be in maintenance and it's so you cannot renovate a whole house in 2 weeks. You can't do oh, it. God, no.
1: You can't even like, I mean we did our own kitchen. We did an IKEA kitchen. That sucker took 6 weeks to do ourselves. You know, it's like And that's like just you kitchen. can't work on one
0: house with four people. You can't paint in a day, you can't, yeah. like, there's so many things that I'm just like, this is not realistic, and even if you're going for, like, something a little crazy, I'm just like, it's so difficult for me to stomach, because I'm just like, I know how a paint crew works, I have been a member of one, I mm-hmm. know all the things you have to do, there isn't always hardwood floors underneath there, sometimes it's just parakat, paracat, like, yeah, And also the idea that, like, I really find house flipping to be kind of predatory and gross at times, so it's difficult for me to like those, and also the idea that, like, oh, we're just gonna knock out all the walls and make it an open floor plan, like, I I, I find it very frustrating, I'm just like,
1: no, leave me walls, please, yeah, walls it's is gonna be so noisy. So noisy, and if you don't do the dishes, you're gonna have to look at them, and, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, anyway, that's my my big pet peeve that I will shout about from the rooftops until I die. But thank you again so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, everyone can find you where you've said. And um, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been so much and fun to talk about this book.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, have a great
0: day. You too.